welcome to Lost Levels Club. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. Uh, with me today, Sir Michael. Hello. And myself, Timothy. Hello. We're Book Club for Games. And today we are. Today we're going to talk about The Forgotten City. So to start with, no spoilers. No spoilers in this section beyond what you would see in the trailer for the game. So what is The Forgotten City? It was released in July 2021 on just about everything. And it is a standalone game version of a 2015 Skyrim mod but the setting has been changed from Skyrim to Ancient Rome. And the Skyrim mod was kind of amazing and ahead of its time. I think, I think it won a prize, like an Australian Screenwriters Guild prize or something. I think so. I just There's so much time has gone, sort of elapsed during this. I don't know if it was for the mod or for the standalone game. It was for the mod, right? It was for the mod. And the mod was crazy popular. It was downloaded, what, three and a half million times? Yeah, something like that. Three and a half to four. Yeah. Did you play the mod? No, I I hadn't even heard of the mod. Yeah. (laughs) Well, actually, you've you've not played Skyrim, right? No. Uh, You haven't played any of the Bethesda RPGs? No. Wait, wait, Fallout counts, right? Yeah, Fallout counts, yeah. I played Fallout. Oh, okay. Which which Fallout 3? Four. Four. Oh, of course you played Fallout 4 for the podcast. Oh, I forgot. Okay, fair enough. Well, you can imagine then. So you, you do know like the structure of these games. Yep. Well, I mean, for me, I played Skyrim in 2011 at release and just haven't really gone back to it. Like, I, I keep thinking I should go back to Skyrim because there's lots of... You know, there's lots of content in that game that I didn't experience. And I have, I think, in various sales, been buying the expansion packs for Skyrim, but, like, I've never gone back. And thus was not really paying attention to the mod scene, apart from Thomas the Tank Engine. Uh, but, yeah, this this mod also completely passed me by. I only, I only discovered it existed, really, when I was, like, looking into the Forgotten City. But... Yeah, I have since gone back and I haven't played the mod, but I've looked at it and I've I've watched a let's play of the mod and it is kind of amazing. Like you got to think 2015, you know, that predates Outer Wilds. Yeah, it predates 12 minutes. It predates any number of these, you know, famous time loop games. And this mod was a time loop game. 
So it was really ahead of its time. And the production values, they're, they're fantastic. Like, I heard there were 18 voice actors hired to read like thousands of lines of dialogue. And Nick Pierce, the mod author, you know, he estimates he put in 1,700 hours ish making the mod. But, you know, it shows like the, the quality of the mod is really like an official DLC. It, it's seamless. Like the voice acting really sounds just as good as the actual main game voice acting. Yeah, my, my mind is just blown. Like, you know, just even the idea of a time loop in a game, I feel, you know, it, it, the audacity to do that in a Skyrim mod is just incredible. And, and you've got to think, like, the last major time loop game before that is Majora's Mask, which I think he hadn't even, you know, he hadn't even played that game. He wasn't even aware of it until afterwards when people were talking about the Forgotten City. It's interesting because the Majora's, remember when we, I don't know if you had this, but when we first played Majora's Mask, didn't you have this like dread that time was coming to, you were, you, you were racing against time, but now it's it's not even a thing now. What, what do you mean? There's no sense the of dread. dread. Yeah. Of going through the three days. I mean, I guess three days is a much longer loop. Yeah. How we've evolved. But we need to create the one minute time loop game. Oh, we, there really is one. Is there? A minute? Is that time loop? That's not really a time loop game. Oh, that is a time loop game. Damn it. You're right. I, you know what? I had, I'd completely forgotten about a minute, but you're right. That's also a time loop game, isn't it? Man, I really like time loop games. Anyhow, so the Skyrim mod received great fanfare and acclaim and people were saying to you know nick pierce the guy who made it that he should make a standalone game of the mod and at first he was like uh it's just crazy talk but then he decided to do it you know he he had sufficient feedback from enough people that he trusted that he thought you know what i should do it and so he quit his job and he started trying to make a standalone version of the forgotten city the skyrim mod and it sounds like it was a nightmare. In what sense? I mean, he, he talks about, you know, in interviews after the game came out, he's, he's talking about doing 80-hour weeks for four and a half years. You know, no holidays, just crunch and grind. Him personally. It's interesting. If you look at the interviews, it doesn't look like he's aged terribly from the experience maybe he was just used to that as a lawyer yeah it's true i mean i'm sure a legal career is also pretty punishing because he was a lawyer and in fact yeah we didn't comment on that but i assume he was pretty well paid and that's how he was able to hire 18 voice actors to work on his mod right man there's a no clip video as well where they you know they're talking to him and like the tagline for the no clip video is something like quit this video game nonsense right and I thought it was going to be really spicy. Like, I thought that comment was going to be made by his, like, wife or girlfriend or something. But, like, 
the comment is actually from like a senior partner at the law firm. They're like, you need to, you need to get your head screwed on, boy. And you're like, focus on your legal game. You know, like law is your life. And he's like, no, I want to make video games, dad. Or whatever. Yeah, he was, ex- he, he was expected to be full-time lawyering, even outside of work. That, that's the lawyer life. Wow. Law life. That, but I feel like that's what people expect from developers too. Yep. You know, they're like, they'll call you up and be like, oh, your system's down, fix it. And be like, but I'm at the theatre or something. I don't know. It's more like you expect people to be building their own things in their own time as well. Yeah, it's true. They're just like, oh, show me something you've made outside of work. And it's like, why should I be programming outside of work? It's like, oh, so you you don't really care about your craft then? Is that what you're saying? You know, yes, that. So maybe all professional industries are like that. So the hours, do we talk about the hours? I said 80 hour weeks for four and a half years. That's what it takes, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's terrible. This is the thing that's absolutely terrible. Seriously, I, I think I've mentioned this before, maybe not on the podcast, but I mentioned it to you. Yeah. When you look at what it takes to make an indie game, it is just terrifying. It is actually absolutely terrifying. Like all these cool indie games took years to make. And the ones that didn't are the exception, not the rule. Like every now and then there's like a Snake RX or a Vampire Survivors. And it's just like, hey, uh, I farted this out in three months and it made a million dollars. But that really doesn't happen very often. Most of them are like, I spent five years making this game and I made 20 bucks. That's how most of these turn out. And you found an article where he's, he's talking about the journey to getting a publisher. You know, he said for the first two years he tried just to make the game and intended to self-publish, but he just kept running out of runway. You know, he, he got, he got grants from film Victoria and Epic Epic Games. Games. Yeah. He took the Epic Games money, but even then it was just not enough. I mean, I, I guess it's a question of scope, but even so, Making a game is so hard, really. Honestly, making a game is so hard. Do you have anything to say? Any comments about that? I don't want to talk about game making. I'm just going to kick you while you're down. (laughs) Okay. It's hard. Yeah, but but in the end, he got a publisher, Dear Villagers, and the game, the game shipped, and... I don't think he's talked about the financials, because that seems to be a secret, but... It sounds like, well, it's critically acclaimed. I don't know how that's translated into financial success. He did mention that he was only expecting lower scores than he got as well, which was interesting. He was expecting six sevens. Yeah. I'd say 85 is a big deal. If someone said, oh. 85 on Metacritic. Yeah. I would love 85 on Metacritic. Uh, I suppose. I suppose 85 is still good. (laughs) What do you need? 95 plus 97 98 98. it's it's really hard though it's really hard isn't it it's true like the the more people who that review your game the harder it is to get a good score because there's always someone who's got to be contrarian and poo poo it and then just like wrecks the whole thing yeah metacritic is hell 
you've got to play the long game. You've got to create your own aggregator site, create your own algorithm so that you favor or you add more weightings to the <laughs> reviewers you need. The, the reviewers that have good taste. Yeah. Or your own reviewer site. We, we talked about this. We should just do it. <laughs> anyway, the, the other thing that was interesting was the tech that went into making this a standalone game. Because Skyrim, you know, building this as a Skyrim mod, it really does a lot for you. Skyrim obviously has, you know, whole systems for NPCs and navigations and dialogue and most importantly, facial animation. And the the no clip video goes into a lot of detail about the trouble they faced with the facial animations, which is really interesting because it's the sort of thing where you probably just wouldn't think about it until it's like, you know, brought up as a point. And then you suddenly realize, oh, yeah, that's going to be really tough. You know, like, how do you do convincing facial animation? Because, you know, the human brain is so tuned to read a face, right? Like to recognize faces and to like interpret expressions and so on. And it's very hard to make a convincing facial animation system, basically. Like it has to either be stylized or it has to be really top notch. Because in between those two is just the uncanny valley and it looks terrible. And I, I actually don't think it looks very good, but I I understand why it doesn't look very good and it's the best they could do. But, you know, I think they tried several things and this was this was the best they came up with. And I guess it's okay. I, I'm being cruel here. I'm being harsh, but it's really tough because, I mean, they, they actually themselves mentioned like there's a reason why most indie games avoid like direct face-to-face conversations because it's really hard to make them look good are you saying they look bad i don't i wouldn't say they look bad they just don't look good (laughs) i mean i've I've literally got in my personal notes for this game you know it's like this character looks cross-eyed is that (laughs) is that intentional or is that just a glitch you know And I feel like a lot of the characters just look kind of vacant or they're like looking over your shoulder or they're just like their faces are contorting into funny expressions. Like it's it's really hard to do naturally, you know, or procedurally. It it is just really hard. And like, obviously, I could not do it, you know. I think you have to either hire some very expensive people to hand animate it or write some extremely complex procedural system or just like get something off the shelf and hope for the best and you know as i said they were running out of money already they just they just could not afford to tart it up anymore and it's functional you know it's okay well you know what you know what's funny i realized we've been talking about this now for like 15 20 minutes but we haven't actually talked about what the game is at all we just talked about like where the game came from and how it was made so maybe we should talk about what the game actually is before we move on. Oh, yeah, please. So I would describe it as a walking simulator, but not in a bad way. You know, it's, it's all about exploring this forgotten city and talking to people. Though every now and then it makes some weird deviation back to its roots as a Skyrim mod. And 
Yeah, weirdly, I'd say it's like Outer Wilds, but if it was about talking to people instead of archaeology, which is a weird thing to say considering this game is set in ancient Rome. But yeah, it's very much about humans and human motivation rather than, you know, trying to piece together what happened in an ancient civilization, despite the fact it's set in an ancient civilization. Do you have anything to say? No, I think you've said it very concisely. And then the game is fairly short, at about five to eight hours. And I do feel like I learned a lot of Roman history by osmosis as a result of playing this game, assuming that the Roman history is accurate. And I haven't just picked up a load of nonsense. I'm going to be at a dinner party and be like, well, did you know they had living golden statues in ancient Rome? And people are going to look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> okay and then the plot then the plot as far as the trailer goes so you go through a time portal and end up back in a forgotten city during ancient roman times and in this city there is only one rule the golden rule that must not be broken, which is that if anyone commits a sin, everyone will die. <laughs> so if anyone commits a sin, a voice booms out, the many shall pay for the sins of the one. And all of these golden statues come to life and shoot you with these golden arrows that turn you into a golden statue. And the city is just littered with golden statues. So your job is to find out who is going to break the golden rule and stop them from doing it. Because in doing that, the time portal that brought you to the city will never be opened and thus you will escape the loop. Simple. <laughs> Simple. It's just, it's just temporal mechanics. Let's talk about a playthrough. So, spoilers, 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 actual spoilers start here. From this point on, we're going to assume that you have played the game. Or at least don't care about the game. But we're not going to meticulously explain the plot. So, Ting, did you finish the game? Or what do you know? I finished the game. I got two of the endings. I wouldn't say I know everything. Did you finish it? Yes, I finished it. So I, I got all four of the possible endings. So you know everything. Well, I wouldn't say I know everything either. Like, <laughs> I, I think there's actually more than one way to get some of the endings. 
So, despite, well, I mean, it is quite nice because obviously I didn't know that there were multiple endings when I started playing it. Like I went into this game pretty much blind, but when you do get an ending, it pops up a screen and says like ending one of four. So you do know that there are other ones to go for. And then rewinding then right back to the start, you awaken on the banks of the river Tiber and a woman wearing a hoodie tells you that she dragged you out of the river and, you know, you can't remember how you got there. You know, there's this weird gap in your memory. And then you get to name your character and pick a class. So, what class did you pick? I picked the soldier class. Because I got a gun. (laughs) Because I got a gun. (laughs) This isn't cod thing. (laughs) I didn't really know what this game was. Man, it's funny because maybe it just shows like a different perspectives going in because I really thought this was going to be a walking sim. So I, I picked archaeologist because I was like, oh, I want like the historical lore. But there's a class with a gun. Like, Give me the gun. <laughs> did, did, I don't even know whether this is going to come up later, but did you use the gun? Uh, no, I didn't. No, <laughs> You didn't use the gun. I was saving it for when I really needed the gun. I was saving it for a special occasion. <laughs> yeah, for the boss battle at the end. Okay. And then how much did you talk to the woman? Because I think you can be like, okay, bye, and just walk off. Or you can have a like quite a long conversation with her to try and figure out what's going on. Isn't the whole point of the game to have long conversations? Well, yeah, but you know, you're the guy who picked the gun. <laughs> you might have just been like, all right, thanks, bang. <laughs> she in the head. Um, yeah, I, I talked to her. I found her name. Yeah, that's the best thing, because she's she's really reluctant to tell you her name. And she's like, all right, my name's Karen. And you're like, oh, yeah, I can understand you might be reluctant to share that because of the memes. (laughs) What a coincidence. Yeah. Well, yeah, because she mentions the negative associations of her name. And you're like, yeah, the memes. And she's like, yeah, sure, the memes. (laughs) And then she tells you there was another guy called Al and he went off to check out this temple, you know, a little way back from the river and he hasn't come back and she wants you to go after him and find him. And so you wander into this temple and then the floor is a trap door and you fall into this ancient Roman bath in this underground city full of golden statues. And as you're walking through the city, you can hear this sort of metal scraping noise and the statues are turning to look at you when you're not looking at them. I somehow missed this detail. Were you playing with a sound off or something? I did this again, yeah. Wait, wait, so you did have, you had the sound off? I wasn't really paying attention to the audio. (laughs) Okay, classic. Wow, you didn't even have to hire the voice actors this time. There should be like an early access Ting edition of games. It just has no sound. I can. I don't have to pay for that. <laughs> the sound pack. Yeah, yeah. That's like efficient markets. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm saying now. Okay, so you totally didn't notice this. No, I didn't. I probably did have the audio on, by the way. 
but clearly having the audio on or off doesn't make a difference. All right. And then as you work your way deeper into the city, you find Al's body. And he is like an old man hanging from a tree. And but he, it's not his body is hanging from a tree, but it's like completely gold. It's like a golden statue hanging from a tree. And he's got a suicide note that is hilariously. It's not a suicide note so much as a suicide stone tablet that he's laboriously carved. I mean, I know they need it to have lasted like thousands of years, but I still think it's really funny. Like, just the thought of like having to spend so much time carving this into stone. Do you not think you might have changed your mind by the end of it? I don't know. I mean, then again, if you're stuck in a time loop for like a hundred years, maybe maybe you're pretty set on what you're going to do. So he he warns you, don't go to the temple, don't step into the portal. No matter what I do, it never ends. I've tried everything. But of course, you go to the temple and you step through the portal and boom, you end up in ancient Roman times and the city is not a smouldering wreck full of golden statues, but a beautiful, bright, populated place full of golden statues. And then the game starts properly, for reals. It's not really a city, is it? Is it really a city? It's like a village, I guess. It's like, it's a very small city. It is. Yeah, what makes something a city? Is it like having a cathedral? So does having like a giant temple make something a city? Or maybe. This is like the British definition of a city, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's very, there's like 20 something people. So it's true. Maybe it's a bit of a stretch to call it a city. But if you called it the Forgotten Village, it would sound a little bit lame. I'm not buying the Forgotten Village, am I? No one's buying that game. Yeah, it's got a different connotation. But, you know, it looks nice. The, apart from the facial animation, which is a little bit wonky, the, the actual like landscape, you know, and static structures of the game, they look nice. But I guess that's Unreal Engine for you. And then, you know, despite it maybe not being a city in terms of scale, there's still a fair amount to explore and there's still a lot of characters to remember. You know, there's like 20 something characters for you to talk to and they all have their own schedule and motivation and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then, of course, the first one you meet is Galerius. He's the one in the trailer who's like, salve, friend, you know. And he's, you know, you meet him every loop. I mean, Galerius is an important character. Like, not not everyone gets the same like scale of interactions that Galerius has, which I guess is inevitable. But it is a bit sad. Like, some of the characters feel very. I was going to say one dimensional, but I don't even know if that's sufficiently small a term to describe how little they have to say. You know, it really feels like some of the characters just exist for a single quest and there's like nothing beyond that. You could have 20 characters all playing a major role. Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, even from a game design perspective, maybe that would just become annoying. But yeah, I mean, every character exists in the city for a reason. Like every character has a purpose, which makes sense because, you know, otherwise they're just a generic NPC. And I don't know. I just think it, I think it is a bit sad, though, because some, sometimes, you know, you want to talk to them more. You want to learn more about their backstory and motivation. And they've just got nothing to say. You know, like I, I wanted to talk more to Yulia and Ulpius 
after you know rescuing them well, after after saving them and freeing them from their debt bondage but they just had nothing to say to me about it i was like you're free now and they're just like hello and that's it you know they weren't like yay i'm free i'm gonna go and i don't know take up painting or something they just like walk around the city aimlessly and have nothing to say correct me if i'm wrong but i remember offending yulia yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you can offend like because <laughs> sorry yeah, it's true. I, I think one of them is just like, hey, do you know a way out of here? And she's like, very funny. And then she refuses to talk to you after that. Because <laughs> yeah. obviously she's tried to poison herself, you know. And it's like, I didn't mean it like that. I literally meant, do you know a way out of here? And she's like, well, of course not. I tried to poison myself, you know. Because, I don't know. I say I don't know. The game gives the impression that making the right dialogue choice is really important. But I don't know if I really felt that while playing it i mean i think that's the i think that's the beauty of a time loop because if you've got like a 60 hour rpg and you just pissed off yulia like that and she would never talk to you again you might be thinking like wow did i miss out on something by you know offending this character should i reload my save you know i'm like so many hours deep into this rpg like what do i do whereas in a time loop game you're like whatever next loop we can start off on the right foot I remember not being able to afford the the second time around. Oh, to free her from yeah slavery. But then I guess there's a long term. I can expose Maliolus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is the other thing because I was surprised when this happens. But you know, I, as I mentioned before, the the first thing that happens when you step through the portal on a new loop is you talk to Galerius, and if you have completed a quest you can just tell Galerius to complete it for you. So once you know how to free Yulia and Ulpius from slavery, for example, you can just tell Galerius, hey, I need you to run to Yulia and give her this antidote to the poison and then run to Ulpius and tell him not to commit suicide and then blackmail Maliolus and tell him to free them from slavery and stuff, you know, and he'll just go and do all this stuff for you at the start of the loop. So you don't need to worry about doing it. Which I do think was really clever, but I also do think it kind of like flattened the complexity of the game a lot. Because, you know, a lot of time loop games, I say a lot of time loop games, how many time loop games are there? But you know, I feel like a time loop game, to some extent, is like building a Rube Goldberg machine, but in the dimension of time as well as space. You know, like, you know, it's like Groundhog Day, right? Like, I need to know, I need to be here at this time to catch this thing that's going to fall out of the sky. You know, like, how would you know that? But you're in a time loop, so you do. And you don't need to have that elaborate scaffolding of like, here's how I make the perfect loop. You're just like, Galerius, do this stuff for me. And then you go off and do your one thing, you know. So... I do see that it's a very clever way to reduce the repetition, which is a thing that I think that can kill time loop games. It can make them very irritating to play through. But something was lost in the trade-off. This is the better solution. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely better than just things being really annoying 12 minutes. So, yes. And I guess it depends a lot on the game, like the nature of the game, whether this is a good solution or not. And on the whole, I think it does work here. Yes, it is better than the alternative. Though, 
I mean, I do think it is kind of stretching disbelief at some times when you, you know, Galerius is a farmer and he's kind of looked down on by a lot of the characters. And you're just, you know, you're just telling him, hey, go and blackmail this guy who's got a gladiator guarding his house. Just go there and tell him, I know the secret about you and I want you to do this, you know, and he just was like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to do it. Random person I've never met before. Yeah, you're right. He explains, yeah, he's just very interesting. The shortcuts you're allowed to make with him. He just accepts the time. He just accepts the time loop. It's all a bit convenient. Yeah, you don't even really do much to prove to him that you're a, you know, a time traveler or you've come from another loop. Yeah. He, he just takes it at face value. I mean, maybe people were just like that back then. I don't know. Well, you did make a point that, you know, he's a farmer, so maybe he's more open to it. <laughs> what are you trying to say about farmers? It's okay. I'm, I'm just being difficult. He's British as well. He's a British character. And he kind of hates the Romans. Except he kind of is a Roman. Well, whatever. There's people from all across the empire in this city. And then you've got the other half of the power couple, who are not a power couple yet, but will be by the end, with Equitia. She's another character who has a lot of interactions. Like She's actually a very significant character. And she is the one that starts you on the thread of inquiry that reveals the nature of the city. You know, she tells you to talk to people and, and find out how they ended up down here. And in doing so, you know, you pick out the common threads and then, yeah, you learn the secret, which I'm dancing around. I don't know why, because this is a spoiler bit. You know, you're all dead. You're dead. This is the underworld. This is Hades. And Karen is Charon, Charon, you know, the ferryman. That's the negative association. It's not the memes. Although you can try and explain memes to Equitia. And she's like, so they're like hieroglyphs? Another sort of anachronism. You can talk to Rufius about the golden rule. And he mentions how he hates that his survival depends on the common sense of other people. And then, you, you know, you have the option to reply, I know how you feel. I've lived through a pandemic. She's like, oh, it's too real. It is too, too real. real. The writing is quite good. As we're talking back, looking back on it. The writing is the main thing about this game, right? That That is, I'm pretty sure that's what, you know, the the original mod got the uh award for and yeah i mean the strength of this game is the writing more than the combat gameplay <laughs> anyway how was your first loop you step through the portal you talk to galerius he takes you to sentius sentius tells you about the golden rule and that someone's going to break the golden rule and he empowers you to go and find out Find out the truth. Try and prevent the massacre. Try and stop the rule from being broken. And then off you go. Yeah, so after hanging out in Sentis's villa, you go into into town. And the first person I came across was Lucretia. And I had to find the resin. Yes. And so I stole some resin. <laughs> Just like that? Well, because I noticed that there were a lot, in, even in the villa, there were a lot of chests with money lying around. So I thought... This game is telling me to steal something. Wow. Remind me never to take you shopping. 
there's all this stuff just lying around. The world is telling me to steal something. Because you want to know what's considered white. Well, I think it's quite obvious it's a sin, but I just wanted to uh, make it make sure. Man, interesting. So you literally, because, yeah, you when you talk to Lucretia, basically, she tells you that Yulia has been poisoned and she needs this antidote, but she can't afford to buy the antidote and then Yulia dies. And then she wants you to acquire this sylphium resin one way or another so that this tragedy never happens again. And of course, because it's a time loop, you can prevent it happening in the first place. But the resin costs a thousand yes. denarii and you don't have that kind of money. So you just stole it. Jeez, what a hardened criminal you are, Ting. A life was to be saved. <laughs> After everyone dies. Because... <laughs> You, so you, you picked up the resin and then the many shall pay for the sins of Ting and yeah. they all died. They did. In this loop. Interesting. This is like totally different from what I did. What did you do? I didn't want to be responsible for breaking the loop. I was like really, I was taking this really seriously actually. It's quite funny because... I'm surprised. Normally I'd be quite irreverent too. And I'd be like, lol, stealing the resin. But instead I was like, ooh, that's expensive. I'm not going to, I don't want to be the one that breaks the golden rule. And I just wandered around town and talked to people for ages. And I was also thinking, does this game have like a real time system? Or is it just going to keep going and going and going until I break the golden rule? But as I was thinking that, Equitia called the election. Because there's an election for who should be the magistrate. And this other guy, Maliolus, is challenging Sentius for the position. Maliolus wins the election. And as his first act as magistrate declares that Sentius should be executed. And so Dominus goes to kill Sentius, which of course breaks the golden rule. And thus the loop ends. And then, yeah, Sentius will run to the temple of Proserpina and open the portal and you step through the portal and it's a new loop. So you, you never saw this. The election get called in real time. Yeah. No, I had to always force it. I didn't really appreciate the time in the game. Yeah. It's, it's funny, actually, because I have no idea how long the loop actually is. Like in, in Outer Wilds, I know that the loop is... 20-ish minutes and you also get this nice sense that the loop is coming to an end because you know you hear the music and stuff i don't think there's anything like that in this well i wouldn't hear up i wouldn't listen up for the music <laughs> so i did always look to the sky for whatever reason to see if the sun was setting or it, or something just to mm, work I, I think out. that does happen too that's true actually i think that does happen too it was too subtle for me and then also, unlike Outer Wilds, in this, you physically loop. Because I was, I was thinking, you know, what happens if you don't make it to the portal? Because, like, Sentius will run to the shrine to open the portal. But, and, and you have to run after him and jump through the portal. But the statues have come to life and they're shooting at you with golden arrows. So... What happens if you don't make it? And and I thought that 
if you die, like you get turned to gold, well, you, it's still a time paradox. You're just going to step through the portal again. But no, if you get shot and turned to gold, you just die. It's just game over. And you have to make it through the portal to start a new loop. But that does also mean that you keep all your stuff. Like you always keep all your stuff. So if you want to buy the resin rather than steal it, you can just acquire enough, you know, enough money over the course of a few loops. Or in one loop even. There's a chest that has 4,000 denarii in it. So you say acquiring over a few loops. In your, what's your mentality? Is you're not sinning to get through each loop, or did it come to a point where you're just stealing seven denarii just to force a loop? Yeah, I generally didn't force the loop. I generally would just. There, there are plenty of chests around that are not owned, and you can just take the money out of them. So I would just hit up those chests each loop until I had a lot of money. I mean, it got to the point where I had like twenty k, and I was just like, well, I don't need to take any more money now. But yeah, generally, generally, I wouldn't force the end of the loop unless I was trying to test a particular outcome. Like, you know, there were some things where I thought, like, is this a sin? And I would try it and be like, well, turns out it's a sin. Do you have an example? Oh, yeah. Well, I had this really convoluted plan to deal with the assassin. So there's a bit where, you know, if you go near the bathhouse where you first entered the city, you know, in present day, you know, where you fell into the city. As you approach it, an assassin comes out and tells you he's looking for Quintius and he has, an, you know, a writ of execution from the emperor. And you have to deal with this assassin because obviously if the assassin kills someone, then that will break the golden rule. Because like, well, you know, the assassin, you can tell him because you later figure this out, that Maliolus is Quintius. But Domitius will try and stop the assassin and then the assassin will kill Domitius and that breaks the golden rule. Because it's murder. But I had this crazy idea that maybe if it was a legal execution, it wouldn't be a sin. Like, I was like, what is the nature of a sin in this game? You know, because it's like... You know, it's, it's not like there's a cosmic law of what sin is, right? Someone's interpreting what is and isn't a sin and deciding what breaks the rule or not. And so I told Sentius that Demetrius was the one who was going to break the golden rule because after the election, he will try and murder you. And so Sentius then told me that in his position as magistrate, he legally empowered me to execute Demetrius. So now I was like, okay, does that mean that if I kill Demetrius, it's not a sin? And then I told the assassin that Maliolus was Quintius. And thus, if Demetrius is killed in the course of him trying to execute Maliolus, then is that okay? Because they're both now legally meant to be executed. But of course it's not. <laughs> this is the long and the short of this whole crazy thing is, no. It's not okay. And I really should have known that too, because of course, when Maliolus was magistrate, he ordered Demetrius to kill Sentius. And that would have been legal too, right? Because he's the magistrate. So of course it's a still a sin. Duh, I should have known better. But still, I tried to do this really convoluted thing. And then this is also an example of where the game just told me the solution. Because by default, the hint system 
is turned on and there are whispers which will give you hints but sometimes those hints are literally like do this it's the solution because like the next time i encountered the assassin the whispers told me send the assassin to the you know derelict temple and then the temple just falls on the assassin and kills them and like would I have figured that out without the whispers? It probably would have taken me several more loops. No, surely, because Fabio is the one who goes in there otherwise. Yeah, but I I don't know. I was really fixated on the idea of, like... You know. Also, I thought the, the dialogue with the assassin was quite good. Because he's convinced it's a cult, regardless of what you say. Yeah. He's like, that's exactly what a cultist would say. It's like, no, 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 we don't do that. It's like, sounds like you've been brainwashed by the cult. <laughs> I guess this is what happens when you try and escape from a mental asylum. And they're just like, hmm, you seem very sane, which is exactly what a crazy person would do if they were trying to pretend to be sane. It's like, no, I really am sane. I, I do think it is quite interesting what is considered a sin and what isn't considered a sin, though, because like. You know, I mentioned the whole thing about, you know, is it a sin or not if they're legally meant to be executed? And there's a bit with Fabia after you deal with the assassin where you can talk to her and she asks you, did you know the shrine was going to collapse? And if you say, actually, yes, I knew the shrine was going to collapse because I'm a time traveler, you know, she'll be like, then did you murder him? Because if you sent him there and you knew it was going to fall on him, then you killed him. And at that point, it's like, the many shall suffer for the sins of the one. You know, it's a, it's a sin. If you knew the shrine was going to collapse, then it's a sin. But if you didn't know, then it's okay. I mean, I, I do think the game would have been cooler and more interesting, but probably just like untenably complicated and really hard to write if there were more solutions to the puzzles rather than just being like, there's just one way to deal with this. Or, Is it possible there are more solutions? You know, maybe there are, I just don't know about them. I guess it's possible. Or, or more rules lawyering on what is and isn't a sin. I mean, maybe there is some of that too and I just didn't encounter it. But I, I don't know. To me, it just felt like it was quite one solution for each puzzle. Actually, having said that, I definitely know there's at least two solutions to at least one of the puzzles. I mean, speaking of which as well, the golden bow. Because I was really surprised when I got the golden bow. I mean, it was like a real, oh, now I get it. Because, you know, there are, there are a bunch of places where there are vines. And you can look at the vine and it will say, you could climb this if it would hold your weight. And I was just like... This is a very unhelpful hint. Like, what am I supposed to do with this information? Like, get lighter? Just, like, lose some weight between this and the next loop, you know? And I was trying to, I was trying to think, like, is it going to give me, like, some spell of anti-gravity or something? This like, doesn't feel very in keeping with the setting. But then you get a golden bow, like the statues have, and anything you shoot with it turns to gold, including, of course, the vines. And I'm like, oh, okay, I feel like this is thematically appropriate. But then the quest line to get the golden bow just ugh. I mean this is when it felt like this is when it felt like it was a Skyrim mod. But in a bad way. Because like in Skyrim, like combat is a major 
you know, it's a major gameplay system in Skyrim and you've got like your weapons and bows and spells and whatever. And in the Forgotten City, the mod, there are some combat sections, but that's kind of okay because it's Skyrim. But the quest line to get the golden bow, you know, you end up falling into these like caverns and then having to fight your way through this palace and it's full of monsters and you have to defend yourself with the golden bow. And it just it just really felt like kind of uninteresting jank combat. It's interesting because I think this mission is or this quest is it's optional. Yeah. You you mentioned this to me afterwards and I was like, surely not. And then I thought about it some more and I was like, wait, surely yes. You know? <laughs> it's like, you're right, I didn't need to do this. I got an action warning action i got an action horror warning when i was talking to decius so i for a long time didn't pursue this quest and actually i think that really slowed me down i really i really needed the golden bow because it made things a lot easier yeah i mean there's lots of things There's, there's there's a whole bunch of puzzles where the solution is shoot it with a golden bow (laughs) or at least a solution is shoot it with a golden bow I mean, you know, it's as we just mentioned, it's not actually required. When when you actually think about it, it's like, you're right, you don't actually need this to finish the game. Everything you can accomplish with the Golden Bow, you can actually accomplish through a different solution. But, yeah. I did not remember this warning about an action horror sequence at all. Either I just, like, mindlessly clicked through it, or I didn't get the pop-up. Maybe you knew because I was a soldier. But don't be wary of these things. For the soldier, it should really... I'm joking. You should, you should be the most willing to go into combat. You've got a gun that you didn't use. Yeah, I don't know. It's funny. I mean, I really thought this whole combat section was mandatory, but I, I think you are correct. You can really avoid it, thinking about it logically. It, it just really felt kind of out of place with the rest of the game, if you ask me. It just tonally seemed out of place. It did. Yeah, I mean, there's this, and there is another bit that I think is mandatory to get, like, the best ending with combat in. And I don't know. I I just feel like they're there because the Skyrim mod had combat in. I I don't think combat is a well-enough-developed system in this game for it to feel... I don't know. Maybe I'm being unfair. Maybe I'm being unfair. Maybe I'm just being like picky. I'm just like, oh, you put chocolate and peanut butter together. You know, like I obviously like combat sections in games as well. And I like talking games. It's just like, it just seems really weird that they're together in this way. I mean, the the combat isn't even difficult. You know, once you get over the shock of like, I have to do a combat section. It's, it's really quite easy. It just, that's why it just feels like a chore. It just feels unnecessary. I mean, the first time I encountered a monster, I was genuinely scared. You know, I was just like, oh, but I'm a helpless archaeologist and I have no way of defending myself. And then, yeah, I do think it just like reduces the impact of the game that the monsters are also just so not a threat. Like I went to the lower system and I encountered a peeled statue and I didn't have the bow all the golden bow and i certainly didn't have a handgun at that point so you know i was like 
oh, and I just ran away. And then after doing like the whole section, you know, with the uh, with the palace, I went back there and I realized like I could just keep kicking that that monster and it just couldn't do anything to me. And I was just like kicking it about, just like, oh, please get out of my way. I'm trying to explore. Boof, 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 you know. Not a threat at all. Hmm. So the only time the game itself will trigger sin is at the election. Because I, I kept, there were a couple of times when I was, I was speaking to philosopher, when I first interacted with a philosopher, it triggered a sin. I got confused. I thought tr- talking to a philosopher alone was triggering a sin. But I don't think that's the case. I think it was a, purely a timing thing now I've spoken to you. Yeah, I suspect that is the case. I do wonder, because I think the philosopher tells you that, you know, their presence there is itself a sin. Like, everyone else in the city was wiped out from their time period. And, you know, if they're discovered, then that would be a sin, or the statues will come and kill them. But I don't think you can tell anyone about the philosopher. Okay. Because there's so, the other... yeah, I, pre- I presume it's just the time loop ending. And there's the other one, which is if you're near the aqueduct or cistern, that can trigger a sin because they know you're trying to escape the gods know. The gods know. Wait, wait, really? Isn't that the case? Or maybe I've read that one incorrectly. I don't think just your presence there is a sin. Like you can, you can certainly walk into the upper cistern. Once you, you know, you can either climb the vines up there once you have the golden bow, or if you've got the key, you can just open the door and walk in there and you'll discover Centilla. But you can just leave again. You can talk to her and be like, whoa, I don't want to deal with this. Bye. And just leave. And it's not a sin. Fine. Though actually escaping, I think, does count as a sin from what I understand. Because it's true. They, They mention that some of the previous inhabitants tried to build a ladder back, you know, out the bathhouse. And that, you know, that was considered a sin. But, you know, in all the endings where you do actually escape, you commit another sin as well. At least the ones involving Centilla. So. I, I actually liked the alternate ending to the loop. It's actually, it's actually really funny and kind of sad and terrible too. So... If Maliolus gets elected, he tells Demetrius to kill Sentius, which is obviously a sin. If instead Maliolus drops out of the election and Galerius wins, then Galerius will free Julie and Julie will then steal something. He'll be like, oh, it's so pretty. No one will mind if I take it, right? And he just pockets it. And then it's just like, the many shall suffer. Actually, even if Sentius wins the election, Maliolus will just show up and be like, this election is a sham. Demetrius, kill him. So the loop, the loop always ends after the election, regardless. But the, the one with Dooley is like both funny and sad, because obviously Sentius imprisons Dooley because he says he's not right in the head and he's at risk of breaking the loop. I mean, the real reason he imprisons him is because he's got a key to the upper system and he's obviously hiding Centilla up there. But... His stated reason is because Julie cannot be trusted. And then it turns out Julie cannot be trusted. He just steals something like the moment he's free. 
And then quick roundup about the endings. You got two of them, right? Yep. Which were? Uh, the canon ending, and the other one is Centella killing Sentius. Yeah, so that is ending two. So ending two, you discover Centella, you free her. Sentius has been keeping her there because she discovered a way to escape, but Sentius doesn't want her to escape because that would break the golden rule. And shocking twist, Sentius remembers every loop. He wants to live forever, even if he's just living the same day over and over, because he quite likes, you know, his existence. He's magistrate of the city. He's got a nice villa, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, he remembers Al being here and trying for decades to figure out who's going to break the rule. And like, he's like, lol, that Al, what an idiot. <laughs> you know, what a patsy. And he's just like, you're smarter than Al. Like, he, he took ages to get here. You know, he took like 20 years to get here. And you've made it after only... And then he told me four days, you know, because I think he tells you how many days you've gone through. Mine was less than 15, under 15 days. Oh, is that what he said to you? Yeah. Okay. At some point he stopped counting. <laughs> okay. It's because you kept thieving. You just couldn't help yourself. You went through so many loops because you just couldn't help <laughs> yeah. your sticky fingers. <laughs> Meanwhile, I was living each loop to its fullest. Anyway, yeah, Centilla, Centilla will then, you know, set him on fire, which is murder, and then you escape. So that's ending two. Ending three is basically the same as ending two, but you tell Galerius to round everyone up at the start of the loop, so more people escape. I actually had to look that one up. I didn't get that one organically. And then, yeah, ending four is the canon ending, where you discover the god that is keeping everyone down there is Hades slash Pluto slash whatever. I mean, I, geez, that ending. I mean, it's aliens. I don't know how to feel about that. That is mental. And actually we should, we should rewind a little ending one. So you never got ending one. Nope. So ending one, I think is like the bad ending because if you talk to Sentius about the time loop, He'll say, you know, the way for you to get out of here is to cause a time paradox. You need to stop the golden rule from being broken, because then I'll have no reason to create the portal. And then, as a result, you will have never been able to step into the portal, because I won't have created it. So, you know, you need to make it so the portal is never opened by stopping someone from breaking the golden rule. Or, you know, I die or something. And you're like, wait, you die or something? <laughs> and then I just shot him, and he died. And that was it. Time paradox achieved. Well done. But it's a bad ending. Because, you know, you're still, you know, you appear back in the future and you bump into Al. And Al is like, hey, I found this tablet about how some stranger appeared and killed the magistrate, which broke something called the golden rule and everyone died. And we're now we're trapped down here too. You could have done that one immediately because you had a gun. You could have just walked up to Sentius and shot him. Stealing is okay. Killing is not. Okay. And then, yeah, I guess one last comment then from me on the canon ending. So that is one where I for sure know there is more than one way to do it. 
Because you can either debate Pluto and convince him that, you know, the golden rule doesn't make sense. Or you can just Doctor Strange him and be like, Pluto, I've come to bargain, sort of. I mean, you can kill Proserpina and take her crown and then just throw her crown down in front of Pluto and be like, hey, I killed Proserpina and I'll do it again and there's nothing you can do to stop me. We can do this loop over and over and over until you leave. And he's like, you're a psycho. And then he leaves. That is the ending I got. And again, the whispers told me to do it. You know, I would not have done that if not for the whispers. That makes it sound even worse. The voices in my head told me to kill her. She told you to kill her. She told me to kill her, yeah. But that's not, I don't think that's going to pass in a court of law. Can you imagine? <laughs> that makes it sound even worse. Anyway, regardless, you get the best ending for doing that. Whichever way you achieve it, Pluto leaves and the time loop breaks. So what did you think? I thought it was good, maybe even great, but not a masterpiece. I'd give it an 85. (laughs) It was quite amazing considering it was made by a very small team. I agree with you, I think. I think it just missed a few elements. I could have done with a map. And a clock? Because, for instance, we talked about schedules. But did you know what any of the characters' schedules were? Like, where would they be? Really? Not not really, no. Exactly. I mean, I had, I had a vague idea. But, yeah. Not that good an idea, no. Yeah, it, it would have been nice to have something like the Bomber's Notebook from Majora's Mask. I can't remember what the equivalent is in Outer Wilds. I don't think there is an equivalent in Outer Wilds. No, but they have the... There's there's the map. There is a map. map. The incredible map. Yeah. The map in Outer Wilds is really top-notch. Maybe that'd make it too easy. Mm. And and there's the rumour mode. There's the, you know, you can look at the interconnections between all the facts you found. There's nothing like that in this. But again, maybe that would have made this too easy. I, I don't think any of the individual quest lines in this are that complicated. No. But but that's why I think Outer Worlds is a masterpiece and this is just good, maybe great, but still just not on the same level. I made a note that it lacks polish, but I only came across one bug, if I'm honest. What was the bug? I jumped into Malio Lister's villa, but he wouldn't talk to me. He, It's like I'd offended him already. 
Surprising that jumping through the roof of someone's house offends them. <laughs> Just saying. So I had to get the key and come in through the front door in the, set, the you know the next loop, and that was fine. Hmm. I mean, arguably that makes more sense thinking about it, but it's true that I think that is a bug. I mean, I would say like the the polish lacking is things like the facial animation, which of course is just impossible to do without a triple A budget. I guess, like, imagine if you had the LA noir level of you know facial animation in this game, that that then it would be a, a different experience. I mean, it wouldn't really change the gameplay, but it would at least you know it would look really fancy. I want to know what you foresaw. Like, what did you see coming? What was obvious? What was surprising? Oh, man. I Honestly, I can tell you, I didn't foresee any of it. I was like, really? Like, what? I was like, we're dead? Karen is Karen? Like, what the? I was really, like, completely blindsided by everything. And then I was like, it's aliens? Aliens? Like, there was a total jump to shark moment, actually, for me. I was just like... You know, you go through the ancient temple and you say the name in each of the different languages and the door opens and the last door opens and this is this is white corridor. And I was like, huh? And how big is this temple? And then, you know, you open like the high tech door and suddenly it's like space. You know, I was like, it's aliens. Sorry, I was just like still reeling from that revelation. Yeah, I mean... I thought that was kind of ludicrous, but on the other hand, like the alternative is that it was a literal god, and I'm not sure I would have liked that either. So, you know, I guess aliens makes more sense, barely. But then one of them has control over time, so what makes someone a god anyway? Yeah, mental. Mental. I I really didn't foresee very much at all. (laughs) I mean, did you? Yeah, but you're, but sh- come on, go, come on. <laughs> you're like, it's so obvious. Go on, it's, what? What is that? You didn't even notice their heads moving. I'm sorry, <laughs> like, I don't think. <laughs> come on. That's not important. you got the moral high ground here. <laughs> so you, you, from the outset, thought that it was like Hades. Oh, yeah. I think it's... <sighs> So it's kind of predictable for once. Wow. But, no, no, but I say that, it's not a negative thing. I think it's really slickly, it's really well put together. And they've managed to back it up with some law, you know, hard, hard law? Is that even a term? No, it's not a term. I've just made that up. But it's tried, it's tried to be authentic, ultimately, which I quite appreciate. I also did not foresee that Sentius was a villain. Like, I did not foresee that, you know, he remembered every time loop. I I really feel like they did not make enough of that. Because after you have that revelation, you can go back and tell him, I know that you remember. I know that you're the one who breaks the rule. You know, like, I know this is all you're doing. You're just doing this to, like, live forever. And he's like, all right, I'm bored of talking to you now. And he just doesn't say anything to you after that. It's just like, what? You know, we should have some epic battle across time. You know, there should be more to this. And that would have been amazing (laughs) if he was then trying to thwart you each loop. Uh, Yeah, but uh, that's not the game, though. Then they were going to go. Yeah, I know. I know. 
But there should have been some monologue. Yeah, we should have got some villainous, like more villainy. He's a villain. It was a it was a great twist, and not enough was made of it. I feel. Yeah, I would like to know more about Sentius. Yeah, I. You know what? I actually also really liked the canon ending, the true ending, ending four. Like, I really liked that after you escape the city, you know, you get like a really significant epilogue scene where you can talk to all the characters again after you've all escaped. I, I actually really liked that. Although, Navia and Galatea, is that appropriate? Because you don't actually meet Navia in the section where you talk to all the characters, but the devs did confirm that she's down in the lower gallery with all the people who were, you know, turned back from golden statues, like, because they all make it out too. And she's there with Galatea. And it's just like, Galatea was just like a gold statue that she was perving over. Is it appropriate that, you know... And it's like, Galatea looks like 20-something, and Navia looks like 50-something. Like, is this right? <laughs> like, I'm not sure this is... I'm not sure this is appropriate at all. Maybe she's aged because of the trauma. Oh, I mean, yeah, technically she probably... Well, technically they're all like 2,000 years... What's the formula? Like, divide by 2 plus 7 or something? What is the, I don't even remember what it is. But like, yeah, once you get into your 2,000s, it's probably fine. Like a 30-year age gap. What's that over 2,000 years? Yeah. It's funny that you picked that out. I just, I just thought it seemed so. Oh dear, I don't know. Yeah, to me, it just really stood out. It's like this is kind of creepy. And then, yeah, I mean, I would have liked a bit more depth, a bit more writing for some of the characters, but obviously, I know that it, it really sounds like they were up against it, you know, time and money wise as well. But yeah, you know, really, some of the characters just feel like they exist just for one quest, and after that one quest, they have nothing more to say. There's a case of keeping the character count up as well, I think. Because otherwise it's just too... It's just not enough for population there. Yeah, that's also true. I mean, it's... What would you call it then? It's not even like the Forgotten City. It's like the Forgotten Dormitory or something. <laughs> I mean, we didn't mention a lot of them in detail, but like, I did like that we had many villains in a sense like there were many characters who were evil without sinning technically you know like decius the merchant who will withhold life-saving medicine because you can't cough up the dough or aurelia and maliolus who will conspire to have people sign themselves into slavery for an escape that doesn't exist and yeah like the combat I still feel like it was unnecessary, but maybe the game would be worse without it. I don't know. I assume they must have tried it and felt in the end that it was better to keep it in than take it out. Even though, you know, it's not Skyrim anymore. They don't need to have the combat. But yeah, the, you know, they must have felt that the game was more rounded with it in. I don't know. Any final thoughts from you? Nope. I've said everything I needed to say. Okay. Then, next time, it's your choice. No, it's not your choice. It's someone else's choice. Yeah, we've, I feel like we've been incepted into, <laughs> into this choice. It's like, wow, what, what happened? We somehow... <laughs> next is Life is Strange, True Colours. 
which we're doing because there was the proposal of a crossover with another podcast, X Drive Megabox. But actually, we probably won't do a crossover because this it's just logistically too difficult to get everyone in in one recording. <laughs> but we're doing it anyway. <laughs> that's not that's not right. That didn't sound very positive, by the way, Mike. I'm sorry. <laughs> At all. I, I think I just think it's funny. I I think it's well, no, no, no. what am I going to say? What am I trying to say here? I think we originally said we were doing these book club games, right? To just play some other games, like to play some games that we wouldn't normally play. And I don't think this is a game I would normally play, but I have heard it's good. So agreed. It's not it's not a game either of us would normally play. Yeah. I mean, I suspect I will actually quite enjoy it, given that I do also like talky games and I complained, you know, I was complaining in The Forgotten City that there was not, why is there combat in my talking game? So I do expect to enjoy it, but it is a game that is effectively outside of my comfort zone, right? It's not a game I would normally pick. I'm looking forward to hearing what you think about this game. Really yeah. looking forward to it. <laughs> really? Have you have you played it? I haven't actually started it yet. I have played it, yes. Oh, oh dear. Am I gonna be am I gonna be cancelled? We're gonna have so much free time after we don't I do this podcast so. anymore. <laughs> it's the, pro- the problem is gonna be that I'm gonna identify too much and I'm gonna be like, why aren't I a teenage girl? This is really sad. On that note. We were lost levels club. We still are Lost Levels Club. Please rate and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Please, please, please. You can find us on email. Mike.and.ting at lostlevels.club. On Twitter. At Lost Levels Club. Anywhere else? Reddit slash r slash Lost Levels Club. So Mike, what are you grateful for today? I am grateful that I won a prize at Global Game Jam. I I made a game and it won a prize. You know, like it's progress. My my game developing is going somewhere, although it's kind of stored for the past three weeks. But, you know, three weeks ago, I won a prize. <laughs> so, yay. I wrote a game called Winner's Triangle for reasons for Global Game Jam on the theme of duality. It is an arena shooter with the Ikaruga two-color bullet shooting absorption mechanic and yeah it won the award for oh what did it win the award for it was like most commercial potential or something oh typical as expected (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) this is really bad i can't remember the exact wording of it but yeah it was something like most commercial value or something i don't know i mean i've been trying to i've been trying to polish it up and extend it but it's kind of stalled Game dev is hard, people. Game dev is really hard. So Michael says bye. Bye Bye-bye.